nothing in common. Nothing to say, nothing to comment. I can't stay comfortable comments. What's going on, everybody? We back for another episode of the Dots Up Podcast. This is gonna be our third episode under the new name. Um, just thank you for everybody for sticking with us through the transition. Or if you knew, appreciate y'all being here, checking us out. We still figuring some stuff out. Um, we trying to get a little bit better quality and some professionalism. So bear with us in the meantime. If the audio quality is a little bit low, a little bit shaky. You know, we figuring this stuff out step by step, one day at a time. But anyways, um, we here now, and uh, we got Reem here. What's up, Reem? What's up, fellas? How we doing? Good, man. How are you, man? You got the you got the fresh cut, bro. I went to my barber yesterday, and I walked in. He looked at me. He was like, "Whoa, Reem!" <laughs> like, and then I looked at um, I schedule on the, this app. Like the last time I got a haircut, it was like a month and a half ago. It's like, damn, yeah, I, I let myself go. And, Bro, it's, uh, it's fine yeah, now, it's though. It's bad. The way these, these haircuts are costing, I understand. I know, I know, yeah. Nah, it's, it's getting up there. But yeah, I, I had to. I got to the point where I had um like a visit with a patient last week, and I was sitting on Zoom waiting for them to join, and I was just like looking at myself, and like I'm dressed up, but then my hair and my beard just looks white. I look homeless. And I'm like, yeah, I need, I can't be like this to work. I need to get cut. Like that was where I had to draw the line. So, yeah, man, had had to get the cut. Yeah, man, gone are the twenty dollar haircut days. Mm-mm, nope. Good luck if you can find a cut like that, and if you can, we'll have to see how, much, how that looks. How much does your haircut typically run, Rain? Mine was twenty for the longest time. He just upped it to forty. Like mm. uh, my last haircut, like a month ago. Yeah, I had like I he had like grandfathered me into like his older rate, and I was getting that for a few months, and then he was like, "Reem, like I, I got I got to charge you the full price." <laughs> Damn, see, yeah, I now wish it's, now it's forty. At least I he wish, told you. Yeah, fast. Yeah, I wish yeah. I wish we could get grandfathered in, huh, D? Yeah, now nah, we go up like <laughs> gas prices for sure. <laughs> Forty five dollars before the tip. Sometimes I'm looking at him like, yeah, I know Pedro only speaks Spanish, but you know, dollar signs is in English. I see that. Motherfucker. Right. Hey, hey, Rashawn, you said 45 before the what? Before the tip. Hey, yo, say it. Come on now. See? <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. Uh, caught me lacking. But all right, Reem, good to hear from you. Glad you're getting fresh and clean. Um, what what's I can. up with you, Shiz? Man, can't complain. Um, took this past week off, so that was pretty good. Um, yeah, man, just got some time to, uh, you know, spend with the wife and the kid. Kind of hate this time right now. I kind of envy, you know, my wife and, and my in-laws because, you know, most of them are educators, so they have the summers off. I'm like, damn, I got to go to work. Got to go back to work on Monday, so... But you know, other than that, man, it's been uh, it's been pretty good. That's what's up. See, y'all got to do pool and in ground. Oh yeah, some, it's up. It's laps. up, man. July 29th, man. It's up. I gotta send out. We gotta send out the evites, man. It's up. So the evites, y'all. Look at you, man. Listen, we gotta, you know, <laughs> we gotta we gotta stay official, man. We gotta keep Fair track enough. of who's coming. Fair enough. 
All right, what's up with you, Mook? How you doing, Mook? Man, chilling. You know, another beautiful day. Summer vacation just started. You know, I'll be working Monday, but I mean, well, I'm up this next week off, but the week after that, I'll be back. But just enjoying it, enjoying the, the beautiful sun, enjoying the the time off. That's what's up, man. Y'all got um Summer Academy this year? We do. That's we always start. fun. <laughs> That's what everybody's saying. Tuesdays through Thursdays, D. So Monday is remote, Friday's off. Really trying to flex it this time. So, yeah, man, I feel you, man. <laughs> you got to, you know, burnout is a real thing, you know, although we're not, you know, educated. Yeah, you're talking to this. probably the poster boy of burnout over here, man. <laughs> <laughs> anybody would tell you about that. Hey. did it and probably will do it again. Hey, it's a real thing. You got to start. Paying attention to the people on the ground floor. Right, I'm a glutton for punishment, though, so it's all good. <laughs> but how you doing, D? What's going on? What you up we, to? Man, I'm all right, man. I'm just taking it step by step. Every day is different. Every day is the same, but every day is different. That's kind of how I'm trying to look at my outlook at the moment. Just yeah. trying to stay positive. Some stuff going on at work, you know, trying to transition out. Clock's ticking. Um, so just trying to figure that out and stay positive, not focus on the negative, pick out the positive stuff. Mm. And um, also take the time. You know, this is, I'm not sure I'll get another time like this where I'm like in between, um, where I have nothing to do. You know, I'm trying to figure out what my next move is. So, Besides just focusing on what my next move is, also just taking time to stay present and appreciate the moments that I'm having. So that and yeah, and also just trying also to not let my mood affect other people. Mm. That's that's another thing, you know, not 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 to take up other people's space with how I'm feeling because I have a big personality, so I've been told, um, especially when I'm in the office. It can come off as me being super cold or super, I don't know, just off-putting when I shut off, when I switch off. You know, people are like, oh, what's his problem? And then, you know, it affects, it affects other people. So just trying to find a balance. You know, it's not my world. Other people do live in it. <laughs> but, yeah. No, I think it, it takes a, you know, it takes a lot of courage to, you know, be reflective, right? To look in the mirror and you know, just have those self-talks and, and just be reflective on, you know, those different work experiences. But, you know, we're trying to bring you back, bro. So, you know, <laughs> that being said, you know, if you don't want your, you know, manager dancing all up in your videos, you know, <laughs> come back over here to YG. Yeah, you know, it's definitely, <laughs> definitely something. I will say that as much as much <clears throat> as I complained, and I complained a lot, as much as I complained, I did feel like I made a difference with YG. Um, and that's something that I'm finding is really important to me. Um, it's something that I had trouble with at my last, my, my last job was that I just got caught up in the bureaucracy and I just felt like nobody actually cared about what the kids, not the kids, they're, they're adults. <laughs> no one cares about what the students are re really going through. Mm. Um, and nobody cared about the relationships established with the students um, and that that wasn't important or a focus. And as much as I complain and probably will complain if, if that does happen 
about YG in, the, in that situation. I know for a fact that working with the students in that capacity does make a difference. And so that's that's part of what I'm finding growing up, getting older, is figuring out what's important to me. Before I was really focused on like moving up, um, trying to pad the resume. And now I'm just realizing that that, that stuff is very important, but it will come when I, I would prefer myself if that comes after I, I know that I'm actually passionate about what I'm doing. Mm. Um, it's meaningless if, if if I don't have any passion for it, if I keep bumping heads with the leadership and management. So. Well, and that's just like, it's just a natural progression. Like people want to pad their resume and get that stuff so early, but you're almost guaranteed to have that stuff at some point. Cause you're just going to continue to work in life, you know? And, yeah. and so it's one of those kind of, um, almost like a misnomer maybe, but just that constant grind to try to get all of this experience so that you can make this, you know, jump or leap. But like, like you're saying, you want to enjoy the process more than that. Cause you're going to get to that no matter what, you know, there's a, a very little chance that you're not going to have a successful career for a long time. So it is good that you're thinking about that and prioritizing the immediate, you know, satisfaction of your work, as opposed to, is my resume right for, for this future position or is my, you know, goals here correct for where I want to be, you know? Absolutely. I actually want to, I actually want to ask that question. Do you feel like you progress more by thinking about, you know, what's the next step or do you progress more by just naturally letting everything happen, everything kind of fall into place? Cause like there's some people that do put in that, okay, I'm going to keep, you know, working because I want to get high in the company and sometimes it does work for them. And there's some people that are like, okay, like if I just do my job and stuff like that, come in and just be a sponge and just taking the knowledge and stuff like that, that stuff will naturally kind of happen. What do you think is the best for you particularly? Because I guess you can't say there's no right route because obviously it works for multiple people. What do you think is the best route for you particularly? Um, for me, uh, just because we're talking about me, I'll start and then uh, you you guys can answer too because I'll ask you the same thing. Move. But for me, um, I just reflecting on my whole situation, and I have twenty twenty hindsight now. Is I had a lot of ego, and I think at first I could I thought it was confidence, um, but it probably was arrogance and thinking that I was owed something, thinking mm -hmm. that I was entitled to something, just because I was good at something and not listening to my elders not listening to the people who've done it before me because for whatever reason at the time I thought you know well I'll figure it out on my own and I think that's another lesson that I'm taking from this is like yo people are where they are for a reason even if in my head I think that they some people might have failed upwards um but even that is kind of like they had enough wherewithal to stick through it. And that's a different skill um, that I'm learning. Um, that ability to be patient is a different skill. And it's something that um, comes, comes for me, it came through experience. I had to touch the stove to see it, that it was actually hot. You know, people kept trying to tell me, yo, don't touch the stove, don't touch the stove. And I'm like, fuck it, I'm the man. I'm gonna touch the stove. You know, I can figure it out. And now nah, that motherfucker burnt me, you know? So it's like, Damn, if I just listen to uh, Jay's story, if I just listen to 
ease power. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I just listen to these people, I wouldn't be in the situation that I'm in. But at the same time, I probably would still be that arrogant, cocky bastard <laughs> still moving about the way I was moving, thinking that I was better, um, thinking that I was entitled if I hadn't got had this situation. Um, but I think it's it's an interesting situation because, like you said, it is depending on what the individual goes through. So I think you can look at what I went through and then you can look at Rashawn because Rashawn stayed where, whereas I left. And I don't know, Rashawn, you can speak to what your experience I, is because your experience might be different when I'm saying it with my perspective, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I think, I think for me, I was, I was very close to, to jumping off the cliff. And I think for me, it was having those conversations with my dad, right. In terms of, you know, Grass isn't always greener on the other side, son, in terms right. of, you know, sometimes it's better to work with the devil that you know. Sometimes you have to manage up. And I think <laughs> Kai has came at a <laughs> very great time because it, it allowed me to step away from, you know, just that that work environment. Right. I think D just left, what, two or three months prior to that before I went on paternity. Um I just had some time to really focus on being a father, um, being with Annabelle and and starting this new journey. And then, you know, just being in communication with with Sean, our executive director, right? Um, I think going back to it, you know, being able to manage up and feeling heard was like the best thing that could have happened to me in terms of like my journey with this organization, you know, being someone who's could speak to, listen, we, we had like eight or nine people that resigned within a month and a half. What do you mean? Why is this happening? Like, we got to look at ourselves. No one is above being held accountable. And how do we get better than this? Right. So I think it's the being able to play that part in terms of one, acknowledging the shit that we went through, but then having someone like an executive director, like Sean to say, you know what, like, I apologize. Like I wasn't really paying attention to the stuff that y'all went through. And now he's rebuilding back this team and D we miss you, bro. Like, I think that we really have the, you know, the opportunity to, to really build things back better that's that's what our motto is how do we build back better and you start by acknowledging the things that happened in the past right um some people have to be called to the carpet and i love being a part of change i didn't really think it would i didn't really think i i honestly i didn't think it would be me i didn't think i'd be a part of it because you guys know me like i'm pretty laid back i like to be kind of quiet just kind of go with the flow situation but i think with this role it's really allowed me to step into my own leadership style um so yeah yeah now i completely agree with you because i remember i want to uh, speak on michelle specifically i remember having a conversation with him i want to say it was at had to be at your wedding like the day before when we were kind of just uh, my parents that came in and it was all three of us talking and we were talking about and you were at that time too you were talking about like yeah like i don't know if this is you know if this is for me and stuff and then having a conversation the day that you told us that about you told us that um what's the place in dorchester the the spot the beer spot in dorchester wherever dorchester we were there. Brewing company yeah we were there and you had told me the same thing and then to take it a year past when i got called in to to, to interview for the position and to hear the difference 
of those two instances when you talked about it to that time, I knew something had changed. And obviously you had, you know, you had gotten a, a, um, you know, a better position um, for yourself and you really believed in what you were, what you preach, you, pro, uh, you were preaching at that time. And that's what really made me take that shot. I was like, you know what, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that chance because, you know, like you said, you heard all this stuff that you had said in the past and stuff, but you know, obviously it's gotten better. I'm one of those people. I think that, I think to progress, I feel like, I guess to a sense, like I'm just like a very friendly person. You can ask anybody, like I'm a person that's very outgoing. I want to connect with a lot of people and that's my approach. And I feel like, you know what, if I get people to, to understand me, obviously I'm not going to be a pushover or anything like that, but if I get people to understand me and feel like they can connect with me, whether that's from students to staff, to faculty, to administration, if I can get them to understand me and, and, and be able to, to, to break bread with me, then I feel like at the end of the day, we all can eat. Like no one man's success is above everybody else's. I feel that if I have success, then everybody else should have success. And that's how I feel like that's, I feel like that's the way to build. And, you know, if my time comes, my time comes, if I get called into a, a higher role, then, then that's what it is. But I've never been one of the people that was like, no, I have to progress. In, in two years, if I'm not progressing, I'm out of here. If I feel comfortable with the situation, obviously that'll be a conversation along the lines where I feel like, okay, like I feel like I'm stagnant now at this point. But if I feel like, okay, I'm in the right position, I know my time's coming, I don't want to rush every, anything. I want it to kind of come naturally. And I feel like that's how it's going to, that's how it's going to progress for me. Yeah, I think that's huge. Move. Like hearing you say that, one psychologically that puts you in a much a much better position than most if you're thinking about other people and other people progressing and being successful you're going to feel happier you're going to feel better you know when we focus on ourselves too much it's way easier to get depressed to get anxious to you know self judge to correct ourselves to compare ourselves to others so like the secret to that is is really to think about other people to do good for other people so like and that's, I think, how I orient myself. Obviously, my career is about helping other people. And I'm at a point where educationally, I can't go too much higher. I can go for my doctorates and, and teach. But outside of that, I'm at close to where I'd want to be career-wise. So now it's just as I get more experience and figuring out really like the, the more um, kind of niche aspects of, of social work, it's like, oh, do I want to further that or do I want to get into that more? But like where I am right now, I don't really think about, you know, I don't have like that five or 10 year goal, right? People talk about like, I know I might want to do, uh, have my own private practice at one point. I want to be a supervisor to other clinicians uh, at one point. And those are kind of like my main things and everything else that orients me is more in the moment. It's more like, did I help somebody today? Did I make this kid, you know, did I help this kid to feel 1% better today? Did I help my coworker, you know, get some work done? Did I make somebody feel important? Like they were heard, you know, and those are goals that I have that I can, you know, assess for myself every day or every week and I can evaluate how I'm doing. And then I can kind of fix what I'm doing week to week. And like goals are how anybody experiences positive emotion, right? Like anytime you're happy, you're proud, you're successful, you're excited. It's because you're working towards a goal that you have. So like if you can have goals that you can constantly assess yourself with and that have meaning to you, you're going to feel happy. You know, you're going to feel proud often. And then you can just kind of update or kind of change those goals as needed. 
Um, but to your point, Luke, I, I think there is a balance of setting that long-term goal of what you want to do in, in the future versus like having the the presence of mind to be, you know, in the moment and like, what can I do right now? And I think there's there's probably an ideal for everybody where you're on that like continuum. Um, for me, I'm definitely way more like in the present moment of just like today, what can I do to help myself? What can I do to help other people? But I'm sure for other people, it's important to be structured um, and have that long-term plan. But for, for me, it's definitely more about like today, did I, did I make an impact? Did I help somebody get 1% better today? Yeah, no, I like Absolutely. that a lot, Rain. Um, because for me, yeah, I have those those three to five year goals. If I'm not hitting them, then it's just like that feeling, that negative feeling of, mm -hmm. damn, I'm I feel so complacent. Like I don't feel like I'm I'm at where I need to be, right? Um, and I think a lot of that attributes to, and I'm really that this is one of like my short term goals. Um, I'm really trying to limit um just being on social media. I think it's always, always comparing my life to <laughs> other friends or, you know, other experiences and stuff. Um, I'm really just trying to limit that, but I, I really like the celebrating or just being more present, being more in the moment, right? Like we have, we have that thing on our Snapchat where we're always holding each other accountable with like fitness. If I don't run, I don't feel good. Right. And that's something that I know that I can just put on my shoes and, and go out for you know two to three miles and after I do that I feel I feel like I've accomplished a lot you know what I mean so I, I really try to I'm really trying to live more in a moment so that I don't get to that feeling right or strategically setting smaller goals to get to that three to five year plan exactly so that I know I'm actively um working towards that yeah yeah well and, and that's the cool thing too is like what I teach people a lot is it's like, oh, it's okay to have those goals and have those long-term, long-term goals. Mm -hmm. But what people get caught up in is a time frame issue or a measurement issue, which is a time frame issue is they have this five-year goal and the goal is not realistic or reasonable to their current situation. So they have this ideal of where they want to be, but they haven't actually taken the time to break down their life and, and set a realistic goal. So then they get a time frame issue where they think they should be here, but really they're right where they should be based on their situation. And then the measurement goal is, well, how are you actually measuring your progress? Because some people think, you know, doing this, this, and this gets me 5% closer when realistically, maybe it's 3% closer, maybe it's 20% closer, right? So like how you measure your success too is mm. so important to getting that positive emotion to feel like you're taking those steps. Like, you know, when you go for a jog, you've gotten how much better that day, your cardio has gotten better or your endurance has gotten better, you can go farther. So you know there's some percentage that you're getting better, right? right. And so that measurement sounds like it, it's it's in line for you. Um, but like those are some of the biggest challenges that people have when they set goals is they don't know how to measure their progress and they don't set a realistic time frame for it. Um, and, and those are the things that get us caught up really quick when we're trying to, you know, go to where we're trying to be, where we want to be, where, where we want to be at. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. We're all about to be... 30 soon some of us some closer than others you know Ooh, 30 we got really? we got we got significant others you know I'm, I'm serious you know settling down you know marriage for for some of us is the next step kids on the horizon you know what I mean I'm quite sure there's some pressures um in some of our households um <laughs> around that I'm not you know I'm looking at somebody right now but you know he's looking away but you know those are societal pressures right 
And sometimes yeah. it's not even it's not even intended. It's just, well, mm-hmm. you know, Shiz and Mook got kids, Shiz is married, and it's like uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's just, for sure. Yeah. And I also think uh going back to the Mook's question too, one thing that I have also learned is that you know, moving up always ain't what it's cracked out to be. Um, that includes more responsibility. Um, sometimes it might mean longer hours, um, a lot of tougher conversations and being removed from the actual work, um, the relationship building for me, relationship building with students, um, and starting to have to figure out things on a macro level. And that's something that I had to learn. You know, I'm not quite, I'm not quite ready for all that. You know, I still um, really appreciate the day-to-day work um, when working with students. And some people might be ready to move up and do all that stuff. And that's good for them. But just for me specifically in my story, you know, that's something that I want to get back to. Yeah, leadership is lonely. You know, having to make decisions and now you're part of the leadership team and certain things that you might not necessarily agree with because you had the perspective of being, you know, in our role as being a youth specialist or a counselor. And now you have to then give them the messaging or what the expectation is, knowing that you're going to get some feedback, but you have to stand on it. It's tough. Um, I think it was, you know, it was harder for me initially to find that balance um, because you know the impact. So it's it's tough, but there's a lot of autonomy right? We ain't gotta, <laughs> you don't have to go into schools on a, on a day-to-day basis, but there are, you know, a lot more hours that are worked, um, on the back end, but yeah. Yeah, man. I ain't, I ain't saying I regret it at all. Yeah. I'm not saying I regret it at all. I had to, I had to learn this lesson. Sometimes lessons are hard learned, but mm. it's part of the journey. I, exactly it's part of the journey and whatever i did do this this past year i'm going to take that and bring that with me wherever i go that's still experience gained i still have great relationships that i made um and i still will maintain them in the future and um i appreciate a lot of the time that i had there and i'm thankful for that opportunity you know i got to do stuff like teach a college class like mm. i was a professor for a summer like i didn't think i would be able to do that like that's wild to me um so you know, there's there there are stuff like I said at the beginning. I'm trying to find the positive and not just focus on the negative. Um, so there's a lot of positive that comes with with my last experience. So, yeah, <laughs> I hope that answers your question. Oh, absolutely. Word, but yeah, now we can get to the social media. Rashawn, you brought up social media and how social media is just has this effect on us and we don't really understand what the the impact will be but it seems that we are diving into this trend diving into this trend i see what you did um, there social media (laughs) has absolutely no what do you want to say consciousness like they have no empathy and it just is like if something bad happens to certain people like the the internet will take it and run and laugh at it. And I'm part of the internet and I laugh. So what does that say about us as individuals? What does that say about us as a society? 
what's going on with our compassion? Do we need compassion? Is it okay to laugh? Or are we getting desensitized as a whole and this is going to become a complete problem? Mm. And specifically, specifically, we could talk about what just happened, that the the inciting incident, um, for those who don't know, if you've been living under a rock like Patrick Starr, um, the Titan submarine or submersile went down trying to go view the Titanic and and it's gone. Um, it imploded. Yo, <laughs> see, here we go laughing. See? South Park black. reference. Solid, uh, solid. That's what happened. It imploded. Um, people lost their lives, but uh, Twitter, um, especially parts of Black Twitter, seemed to not give a single fuck about what happened to these people, and create series of memes, gifs, videos, uh, internet discord about it. And this is what is driving our conversation because we haven't just seen this is just the latest of many things that have um have taken a new life on the internet um for our own entertainment for somebody else's pain. So what do y'all mm. think? I think when I first caught wind of the news, um I was like, damn, I can't wait for this Netflix documentary. Like this shit's gonna be it's coming quick it's coming quick next week because before I I did just blame it on social media but it's not just social media because before social media we have all these true crime documentaries and all these things right so it's like there's something inherently human about watching other people suffer I mean you got to look at it from just just the overall storyline like this unfortunately people forecast the end result of the implosion, right? Like there were people, a part of this industry that have written um, industry leaders, military personnel who have said over and over again that this submersible could not withstand the pressures that it was attended to, to reach. And for the multiple brave people that have survived the two successful trips that made it to the depths of the titanic and let's just put it into perspective right the titanic site is approximately approximately 13,000 feet below the sea level right like it's insane so yeah i don't, I don't know I, I just for me, there was from the from the beginning, reading some of the reports, there has been many of safety concerns, one being and I know black t- Twitter has definitely took this one and, and ran off the way in which this submersible was controlled. It was like a freaking game controller that was, was off brand <laughs> game controller. On top of that, um, people were bolted in from the outside. So any event that something went wrong, you were essentially a sitting duck. There was nothing that you could do. Um, there has even been with a, the pressure, you can't open that in the water pressure. Yeah, and but you wouldn't you, be able to open it. You wouldn't be able to open it, but say if you surface up, because one of the safety features, if something, any event that something happens, there's like a latch or something that allows the uh, submersible to then resurface. Oh, well, that didn't happen. Well, it, it did technically just in multiple oh. pieces. Well, um, gotcha. <laughs> well, well, what you're saying, Shiz, then is that 
this this is different because they kind of there was stuff that should have happened that didn't happen so if if this was something that basically they knew something could go wrong and it went wrong and so it's kind of like well, well you, you get what you deserve like you well, walk it, yourself well yeah well the, the writing is on the wall is what yeah. i'm saying like so yeah, that's it, what you're saying okay yeah it was it was definitely um premeditated if you will um i think a piece to that too is we talked about this but like people have this view about billionaires and this was seen as like is this ability for these millionaires to go look at this you know wreckage of the titanic right it's uh, privilege privilege yes. yeah and so i think people have this view that because these millionaires did it and and they get what they deserve in a sense well, and like we that, just... i think that's a little problematic go ahead just yeah well we could just talk about how much it costs per person to to start mm -hmm. this 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 journey right Costs a quarter of a million dollars per person to get on the submersible. Here's the thing, though. So they compared it. This woman compared it to $250,000 to a billionaire is like by us buying like three sandwiches at Dunkin' Donuts for a week. Like Fair it's enough. Yeah. little to, them, it's it's not, little it to no value to them. But, but like think about it. Us two hundred fifty thousand dollars, like, like we we are not seeing that. Like, it's not something that we can just. Oh yeah, like let me just go in my back pocket and, and here's my Mastercard and like buy that. But mm -hmm. but but to to your point, Reem, right? Like to the to the common person, two hundred fifty thousand dollars is a lot of fucking money. I don't care if it, it's like buying a sandwich to a billionaire or not. For me, I'm looking at that as just like this shit is hilarious to me. I'm sorry. I mean. <laughs> RIP to the people that you know perished that lost their life but to me there's just there, there was so many the stupidity things. there's, there's so, so stupidity many, yeah, there's so many safety concerns that yeah. came out that I mean sometimes and, and I think it really boils down to people's personalities people are willing to take a risk because if you overcome that I think people in a lot of ways gets a rush off of well I know the chances of me surviving this is slim but if i do it and come back then it's just one of those unforgettable experiences it's exclusivity um, too exactly mm -hmm. exclusivity, yeah i can, I can do this because i have access people who've done it. Yeah, yeah of course but 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 then again right there were so many safety concerns if you're charging two hundred fifty thousand dollars per person to 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 go on this trip why not improve your submersible yeah. Why not? I don't you know, know what I mean? I don't have the answer I, to I, that. I, but that that's my that's my biggest question. It's just like maybe it's greed, maybe it's stupidity, but like if you look at Stockton Rush, the CEO of this company, Stu was a Princeton graduate, like a freaking pilot at like 18, 19 years old. Dog, don't don't, know, all I, that I, Ivy League stuff. I, you know, yeah, I mean, you know I don't that. know. Yeah, I, I know that's like that, it doesn't matter, but if for you got me, money, it's just, if you got old money, yeah, that's just the name. Yeah. Not saying that you can't get a good education, but right, right. You know, there's dumb people everywhere. That's true. That's true. That is very true. But I mean, that's <laughs> yeah. that's just that's just where my that's where my head, you know, my mind went to. So well, so I think therefore, for social think, media. Okay, my bad. I was gonna say, I think for social media, like people, there are a group of people that get bothered by seeing jokes like that, and I think maybe some of them are in poor taste, especially when we really didn't know, like if these people were going to like, there was a point where 
Um, it was like they have eight more hours of oxygen left, and they really people thought they really could still Started be alive. Doing a countdown and, like New Year's, and, and there was countdowns on Twitter. There, yeah, and so some of that stuff is in a little bit of poor taste. Like I'll, I'll agree, um, but I think there is there there's like a threshold of being able to have some like comical relief to serious things. Like that, mm. that is a realistic aspect of like being a human being. That even through grief and through sad things, you can laugh about it. And I think that's what social media does, but it toes the line, right? And especially Twitter toes the line very, very carefully. And so there are people that are really good at what they do and make good memes that are like, that's funny. Like, I feel bad, but that's actually funny. And there's people that cross the line and are just inappropriate or insensitive and just like go way too far. And the, the trick is like, how do you determine that, right? Like, how do you figure out, all right, what's too far? And then what's just like, this is sad, but that was a funny joke. Like that, you know, it, it's not, it's not easy for anybody to make that distinction. Yeah. I, it's, it's tough for me because I'm a person who has very flagrant humor and I'm very, yeah, I love dark humor. Dark humor is great oh, for me. Like it. there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah. It's, very flagrant, very dark, very desensitized to say. So I'm of the mind of like, yo, whatever, whatever goes, goes, just make it funny. If it's not funny, then that's the problem. And mm-hmm. funny is objective. Um, and what's for social media is that everybody wants to get a like. So everybody wants that clout. Mm. So now you have a whole bunch of people trying to make the first joke, not necessarily because they think it's wrong or good or they think it's bad or good, but because they think that's what's going to get them the most attention. So mm-hmm. I think that's what we're seeing with social media. Um, and you couple that. It was just a per this is probably the perfect storm where you get people who don't who who want to take these people down because they're billionaires and the privilege of spending $250,000 on a trip to the Titanic is something that you do not need to do. There's stuff Mm -hmm. that you can spend $250,000 on, even if it is like a sandwich to them as a billionaire, that probably is more conducive to your lifestyle or more conducive to um, your business or whatever that you could do. This is completely unnecessary and unneeded for you to do. Nobody needs to go see the Titanic. Hey, like you said, exclusivity. (laughs) Yeah, exclusivity mm-hmm. that, that, that comes in that clout. But they're thinking they're not thinking about like oh we're going to the Titanic. They're like, oh, nobody else can just go to the Titanic unless right. they have two hundred fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars to spend on it. Right. And I think that's where you see why this story, because I see people talking about oh, this story is way bigger than there was a boat of refuge, three hundred refugees that that <laughs> Oh my god. Three hundred refugees see, that see, I mean we can yo that didn't that didn't make it, that people are wondering why. Is this not the story? And it's because it's not as compelling. That actually is not funny. Like no, but you know what? It's I mean, not as funny. News... But this is, but this is more funny. So that's why yeah. you're not seeing it. I, yeah. I don't think it's more so like, oh, we only care about the billionaires in this instance. It's no, we have a shot to make fun of the billionaires. How many right. times do we ever get to make fun of billionaires? Billionaires are supposed to be people who we don't ever see, who we don't know the lifestyle they have because we don't have access to it. But they're just dumb like us. So I think that was the moment that people took take that shot versus talking about that refugee boat, which again is actually sad. Like, so that, what are you going to say about that? It's not going to get the coverage. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah. And I, I say that- actually sad. They're both sad, but one I can compartmentalize versus the other. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the difference too, is like anybody that's making memes about this stuff, like, are they actually bad people? Like, do they actually really not care about these people? No. Like, they probably feel bad on some level, but like you said, D, they can compartmentalize and recognize like, huh, 
a bunch of billionaires just spent $250,000 to basically die. And like some people can find some form of humor out of that, you know? And it's like, it, it, it's sad. People like they, they're dead now, you know, it's, it's sad, but people can find ways to get around that and, and find humor for it in the effort of trying to make other people feel better. Right. Mm. Like part of it is a selfish, like I want to get the likes, I want to get my clouts with the clout, but also it's like, I want people to laugh and take some of like the, the sadness off of that. Like I do genuinely believe some people want to make jokes about it to make other people feel a little better about it. Yeah. But those other people aren't affected by it. The people making jokes, the people that are reading the jokes, both the consume, the people who are consuming them and the people who are seeing those aren't the six. Most of them aren't the six families that are affected by it. So so read. Yeah. Yeah. So so speaking of, speaking of that, right. Um, What's your take on, uh, I think it was the billionaire, one of the billionaire's stepson took to social media, because I guess he went to a concert, and then Cardi B... Yeah, he went to go see Blink-182. And then, you know, Cardi B said her piece, and he he, he clapped back. How do you feel about that? So uh, <laughs> what, I can, what I'll say is there have been some reports come out about his history. And I I can't confirm. I haven't done research to look into this, but there's legal and uh, arrest records and stuff like that that paint him as maybe not the best human being, not not the worst human being by far. You know, people make mistakes, but probably not the best. And in the timing of it, it, it's probably not his best choice to make a, a statement like that at a random celebrity who made a comment, assuming Cardi B is not the only person that made the comment. Um, and to his point, it's not a good look for him, you know, regardless of what he thinks his family would have wanted him to do to go to that Blink-182 concert to take his mind off of the fact that they they didn't know what was going to happen. Um, it's just not a good look for him. So by all yeah, means, you can take t- your you can take your shot and take your 15 <laughs> minutes to to shout out whoever. Cardi's, Cardi's not worried about it. I'll, I'll say that she ain't stressing. But to him, sorry, sorry for your loss. Like it's it's oh, obviously that was so uh, petty. That was that was it's, mad petty. It's, it's a sad thing. Well, no, but you have to separate. You have to be able to separate the two. Like, yeah. I think in the moment, like obviously he's he is grieving. Like, there's no doubt about that. He's grieving and processing. Like his his dad is is dead, and so part of that is like, I, Cardi shouldn't feel bothered by that. Like, I'm a fan of Cardi, obviously, but like I don't care. Like, he should say what he wants to say, but he should also recognize later on, like he's gonna get responses because of certain things that have come out in the media, you know. Could, could that have been his way of coping with it? Going 100%. to the concert, I think, 1,000%. 100%, yeah. You know, he's disassociating. It. He's trying not to think about it. He's he's probably yeah. scared. He's, he was genuinely worried that my dad might be dead. Like, I, and 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 that is sad. Like, that is 100% no joke sad. Um, the aspect that he would make a comment like that and then maybe get upset that people then look into his background and find all this stuff out that he needs to delete his Twitter, that's funny. Like, that that's separate. But his dad died. That's sad. I, I feel for him on that level for a hundred percent. Yeah, what my man Cameron say in uh paid in full. Niggas die every day, B. <laughs> 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 you be I. You be I. Yo, honestly, that should be the title of this uh this episode. <laughs> Yo, that is hilarious. And I think we should end there. Oh man, uh, that's man. crazy. All right, yo, so. Make sure you got your scuba gear with you just in case. Yeah, um, you want to make sure mask you don't up, goggles, snorkel, fins, all that. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll tell the good people where they can find us. You can dive to that like button at dotsup.podcast.com. So, I mean, dot com shit. I'm throwing out internet website. Dots up podcast on Instagram. Uh, so tell a friend to tell a friend to give us a listen. And you won't be disappointed. And it's been another episode of, of Dots Up Podcast. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> almost did it. <laughs> yeah, almost caught slipping. Almost went down under on that one. Ah, I'm about to dive in. It's too late for you. It's too late for me. The game ain't fair. I don't make the rules, but if you break free, ain't nobody care. The worst thing to do is forget about where you came from. How the fuck?